If you had the under on two episodes of the Recruiting Blitz podcast powered by the UC Report, pay up. You are uh, out of luck. Here we are. Glad to be back. Uh, if you missed episode one, you can catch it on Apple, Spotify, wherever you uh, get podcasts. Uh, encourage you to go back and listen. Had a preview of last week's kickoff weekend. We're going to recap that as well. But we uh, spent 20 minutes with the number one player in the country, USC commit Malachi Nelson. A lot of great stuff in there. Advice he got from Aaron Rodgers. We talked NIL, talked his USC commitment. So, uh, certainly encourage you to go back and check that out if you have not yet. And if you did, well, thank you and welcome back. Uh, got another big show planned for you today. Uh, Going to look back at last weekend's big kickoff explosion of talent on the ESPN family of networks. Going to take a little bit of a look at this week's upcoming game as I head out west for De La Salle versus uh, the Sarah Padres. We've got a, a special guest today, ESPN 300. Defensive end is going to be joining us in a little bit, and uh, we're going to take a look at some freshmen to watch as we finally get ready for college football season to uh, officially kick off over this Labor Day weekend. So let's go ahead and get started. As always, I'm joined uh, by my sidekick, Wade Rossi, the man behind the scenes, creeping his way in front of the scenes with uh, plenty of knowledge to share, and uh, also our man behind, behind, behind the scenes, uh, producer Danny uh, working the knobs. Here we go. Wade, you excited for another big week of high school football? High school football and college football, finally, that time of year. Yeah, uh, and there's plenty to talk about it. It's an exciting uh, wave. Uh, I feel like I've used the word exciting a lot already in a two-minute span, but um, looking forward to some of the f- freshmen that are already kind of lining up to have an impact uh, this season as we come out of the gates here to start college football. But let's first look back. We had seven games this previous weekend over the ESPN networks. Uh, I was in South Florida, got a chance to call two of them. One of them was the St. Thomas Aquinas win over a very game St. Joseph Prep that uh, played really well on defense, uh, creating turnovers. And then later that afternoon, Los Alamitos out of California taking on American Heritage. Just kind of, you know, having had a chance to prep for those games and then see those games in person, I think there's two things that kind of uh, – that two things that really stood out. First, let's start with St. Thomas Aquinas. A lot of times when you're prepping for a call uh, for a game and you get a chance to talk to coaches, they give you insight. And sometimes, you know, coaches are close to it. They get excited about their players. And sometimes you, you think to yourself, wow, they really like that player. I don't know if, uh, if I agree. Uh, but one of the players that St. Thomas Aquinas uh, raved about in prep and actually backed up everything their coaches say uh, was Jamari Sands, a running back, kind of a three-star running back. They said he could be the most athletic player on that team, which is pretty impressive considering it's also a, a roster that includes the uh, blazing King Mac at safety, and St. Thomas Aquinas is always loaded. So, But to see Sands in person playing the way he did, uh, really quick feet, agile, can make you miss, but there are quite a few runs where he powered his way with, block, with uh, tacklers on his back. Uh, was really an impressive performance and can contribute on special teams. Got a few offers. I think you'll see throughout the fall, though, Sands' offer list. And I think also Wade, I think as we go in as an update, he's a young man, as the low three-star. Even though he doesn't have the biggest frame, I was really impressed with what he is doing in the weight room is showing up in his play with the way he plays with powers. I think he's one of those players that we're going to see kind of move up uh, in upcoming rankings. Uh, and I think the other one that really kind of stood out is that afternoon game. Two things, all right. 
First of all, American Heritage, so talented. You knew going into that game that with their offensive line and Mark Fletcher, the Ohio State ESPN 300 running back, and then Byron Lewis, a sophomore running back, that tandem against behind that offensive line for Los Alamitos, it was going to be tough to match up in the trenches, and ultimately that was where the game was decided. Fletcher had 19 carries for 224 yards, two TDs. Uh, Blake Murphy, their their young, uh, excuse me, their senior quarterback who had missed a lot of time over the last two years, and hopefully there's a full healthy senior season. And if you're not familiar with his name, the Louisiana Monroe, I think his status is only going to continue to grow as long as he can stay healthy. So Fletcher delivered. Uh, you know, I was talking with my play-by-play partner on the air, Connor Onion, and he was like, uh, yeah, some people on Twitter are saying that Mark Fletcher is a fourth and one back. He's more than that. He doesn't have elite speed. He's not going to pull away. There was a long run in that game where he did get run down, but like 60 yards later, <laughs> he's one of these guys who presses the line of scrimmage very well, sees things, has that jump cut ability to bounce it to the outside, has a good initial burst, squares his shoulders, Reminds me a lot of Utah's Tavion Thomas, who had a breakout this season this past year for the Utes, setting a single-season record touchdown. So I certainly see Mark Fletcher, when he heads to Iowa State, being a very complimentary back, but being more than just a short yardage back. And then the other thing I took away from that, my visit down there and watching American Heritage practice, was Brandon Innes, the Ohio State commit. I know, Wade, we talk a lot about you know more than just testing times and size. Uh, there's a lot of factors that go into being successful. And one of the things that the coaches raved about with Brandon Ennis, the top five receiver in the ESPN 300, was his work ethic, how he practices. Uh, when I went to walk through at American Heritage, two things jumped out of me. When he walked out on the field, he doesn't look like a receiver. He's thickly built. Uh, he's a big receiver. And then the other thing was he did just what the coaches said. It was a Thursday practice for a Saturday game, kind of starting to clean things up, and everything was at full speed. And that's really exciting to see, especially if you're an Ohio State fan, just because you're likely, you see a young man like that who has natural talent but is willing to maximize it uh, and uh, do everything he can in his ability to make sure that he plays you know, to his full potential, and, and, and he likely will. He takes that practice effort to Ohio State. He'll probably be an early contributor and have an outstanding career if he can blend those two things. And you know, I think Wade, too, I want to, on the outside, looking in of those games, um, before we get to Malachi uh, Nelson, the USC commit, and Makai Lemon, who in defeat, I want to kind of go over their performances. But what kind of jumped out to you about kickoff weekend? Well, selfishly, from our podcast perspective, one of the players that we called out and highlighted uh, looking into the weekend was running back Caden Durham. We uh, spotlighted that he had an elite max speed score for the running back position, and Tip of the cap to Caden, made us and the show look good by ripping off probably the play of the weekend with a 99-yard touchdown run. He exploded away from the pack so quickly, he had about 50 yards of celebration time, which his coaching staff was not thrilled about, and I think uh, it resulted in a flag on that play. But thanks to Caden for making us look good with uh, the most explosive play from the weekend. And then back to Malachi Nelson and the game against American Heritage. It was pretty obvious that American Heritage had overwhelmed Los Alamitos both along the offensive and defensive fronts. One thing I'm kind of looking at trying to draw this into the college game as Malachi is committed to USC. The USC Trojans, obviously with limited time last year at the end of that cycle, they focused heavily on the transfer portal and only signed a handful of high school recruits. But they did sign five ESPN 300 commits. 
unfortunately, none along the offensive line. Their 2023 class, first full class for Lincoln Riley, obviously more focused on high school prospects. Again, they have five ESPN 300 commitments and plenty of star power at the top of that list. But once again, no offensive linemen among those 300 commits. So, of course, they have some you know, high three-star prospects that they like their chance to develop down the road committed in that class. But um, not that you, know, you want it to be something to say that we'll see in the future from Nelson, but the performance that we saw this weekend, if USC doesn't start building up the offensive line, that could be a situation that the young man maybe finds himself in uh, in the future. Yeah, you know, listen, I, <laughs> it's true, but that could very much wind up kind of being Caleb Williams' problem. <laughs> you know, <laughs> to be honest problem, with yes. you, just because you know, let's, well, you know, Malachi Nelson gets there. Williams plays at a potential that he showed as a freshman at Oklahoma, now at USC. Uh, you would imagine that would kind of be his show. Uh, for the next two seasons. For the short term, for sure. Yeah, and let Nelson get in there and let some of those offensive linemen uh, develop. So, but you're right, though. And, and listen, if we're going to be honest, there, you know, why hasn't the Pac-12 won a national title in the college football playoff ever been a Because it's usually in the trenches. You go to California, there are outstanding quarterbacks. There are outstanding receivers. There's a lot of skill talent out there. History has shown it. It's hard to find a deep pool of linemen. And for some of those guys, when there have been a few, they have left the state, Kayvon Thibodeau being a, a player on the defensive side of the ball who wound up staying out west but going to Oregon. But it's hard to find. So you're right. And I think that's where uh, USC, who's done a really, been really active in the transfer portal, we'll see if they've done a good job, but they've been active in the transfer portal, uh, may potentially get some linemen there. But that's going to be the – listen, Lincoln Riley's got a Pez dispenser of uh, skill talent already yes. as he's gotten there. It's going to be in the trenches. But – Going back to Nelson and Lemon in defeat, and I've always said this, and I, and I feel like you can learn more or as much about a prospect through adversity than you can when things are going good. You could watch highlights. You could see them at a camp. How do they respond? How do they perform when things aren't going their way? And for Los Alamitos against American Heritage this past Saturday, things did not go their way. They fell behind soon, early. They had some turnovers early, including an interception from Nelson. But I will say this, this is what was encouraging. And I think this is why I feel even more comfortable, even after this loss, that he's the number one player in ESPN 300. Steady hand, never, ever lost his cool, was always dialed in until the very end he continued to play and, and try to make plays. Uh, he made some excellent throws in the second quarter, kept moving around. So I think you want to see that. And when things get tough, is somebody going to pack it in? Are they going to put their head down? Are they going to keep rolling? Or are they going to continue to fight? Are they going to continue to show leadership qualities? And I thought Nelson did that. Yeah, and I mean, you were obviously on site and watching the game on television. You really couldn't tell a difference between the demeanor for him from that first drive to later in the game, very calm, as you said, steady hand. And Makai Lemon just absolutely competed his tail off for the entire day. Again, scoreboard uh, notwithstanding, um, he was competing to the bitter end there. Yeah, I, I use I would use the word like warrior to describe Lemon. He was oh, yeah. phenomenal. He has, I think he had a little 17 catches for a little over 200 yards, three TDs, including at the end of the game. And he also returned a kick. Should have had another TD that was brought back off a screen, off of just uh, a block, uh, a personal foul that was just unnecessary. So his day, his numbers would have been even bigger. And he just, and again. All the way to the end, it was a running clock, and he was still playing 
like he was playing for a state title and the game was on the line. And you'd love to see that. He's so talented. Reminds me a lot. He's not quite as long, but Jordan Addison now there at USC, and he reminds me a lot of him. Again, Jordan's a little bit longer, but I think that Makai may be even a little bit more explosive in a short area. Uh, so certainly uh, those two could be an excellent tandem. And you think about Zachariah Branch in the mix as well there. So so even though Los Alamitos traveled cross country and lost and, and had a rough day, I think both of their star players showed a lot of promise uh, and, and really came away with encouraged with their play, even at a loss. Uh, so now uh, high school football showcase kicks into gear, head out west to one of uh, a program that I've had a chance over the years to call a handful of games, and that's De La Salle, the Spartans out of Concord, California, one of the most successful high school programs in the history of high school football. And they take on uh, Sarah High School out of San Mateo, uh, the alma mater of several people, including Barry Bonds and in our world, most notably Tom Brady. Uh, and they have a young quarterback uh, certainly to keep an eye on that excited about maybe uh, their best quarterback to come out of there in quite a few years. And Malawaki uh, Smith, uh, also known as Maui Smith. I, I can guarantee you I'm going to transition to Maui pretty early in that game. Uh, Safe move, yeah. Yeah, in terms of saying that. Uh, but listen, uh, it's an exciting game. You're going to get some old school football. We just talked about it with American Heritage and Los Alamitos winning in the trenches. De La Salle has won a lot of games, and they've done it with a similar formula, and that's running the split back veer, and they're going to execute uh, every down, and I think Sarah knows that. Their head coach is actually a De La Salle alum. Uh, Patrick, uh, Patrick Walsh played at De La Salle, coached there for a little bit. Now he's been running that Sarah program for over two decades and doing a nice job, and a lot of the same pillars that built De La Salle he uses to, to get Sarah uh, ready as well. So that's going to be a really exciting game, I think, what I'm really kind of most excited to see is, you know, obviously you think about in Notre Dame history, a tight end. They've got a lot of great tight ends, even in the 300 era, Tyler Eifert, Kyle Rudolph, uh, Mayer in this year potentially could be the first tight end taken off the board in next spring's draft. And they went, talking about Notre Dame, they went out west and have a commitment from Cooper Flanagan, I think a player that's really got a big Big frame, catches the ball well, good body control, and obviously if you're going to be a tight end and a split back here in high school and you're going to play, you're going to be a pretty good blocker going into college. Uh, they got a young quarterback in De La Salle and Connor Sui-Sui. Missed his entire sophomore year with a, a wrist injury, but is back in action and uh, excited to kind of see how he develops. And I know you got a running back that you really like there for De La Salle. Yeah, watching guys from this game, Charles Greer, the Fresno State commit, really stood out. I think he's a great get for Fresno State. I think he's an underrated prospect at this stage, probably more of um, a Pac-12 level running back, maybe a second division Pac-12 level running back. Was impressive at our um, Under Armour Los Angeles camp, Los Angeles camp. Nice measurables across the board, really competitive player on film. And um, in talking with you briefly, I think their coaches kind of feel the same way that in their eyes, he's a guy who, with a good senior year, his stock could continue to rise. Yeah, it, the coaches talked about how, how he's really even improved from his junior to senior year, adding size to his frame, becoming a more powerful runner. Uh, and certainly in that offense, you're going to get your touches. So he'll be a name to watch on Friday night. Uh, that is on ESPNU, 7 o'clock Pacific, 10 Eastern. Uh, tune in if you can. And out there, you know, we want to expand, obviously, uh, getting a chance to call these games is, is great and uh, a little bit kind of a deeper dive into some of those games. But let us know either at the UC Report or at Craig Harbert 
uh, some of the other high school games out there that interest you would like to know about every week, and we can talk about those for sure. So hit us up on some of the other big high school games maybe going on in your part of the country. And myself and Wade will make sure we kind of start digging into those as well. Well, excited to be joined this week by ESPN 300 defensive end, Collins Achiampong. Uh, this is one of those maybe – I've said he's maybe the most, uh, one of the most, but actually I think he may be the most intriguing player in the 2023 class. Uh, came on our radar weight. I remember getting ready to do the Under Armour camp in California. Somebody passed along freshman film for a rising senior. Uh, <laughs> that was so impressive that I went on a mission to get this young man to the camp. Uh, and it came right down to the wire as the defensive line was checking in, uh, he came pulling up and registered and wound up having a phenomenal day. And uh, since then has garnered an invite to the Under Armour All-American game out to future 50. And uh, after missing his sophomore and junior years due to the pandemic and his uh, old high school not playing, he's back on the field already with two sacks notched. Collins, uh, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So let's, uh, you know, let's first start. You played your freshman year. Really raw, first time ever kind of playing the game, had to sit out the last two years. Uh, how does it feel to kind of be back in pads? Kind of what's what's been your initial impression now that you're uh, back on the field playing again? It's been wonderful. I think I I just got in the right – I transferred out the right time, I would say, because I was able to just get – start going without pads, then go a little with like the soft shell helmets, doing a little something and running around, and then the helmets come on, and then the pads come on. So it's like I just – went through their gradual transition. And so I think that kind of got me into just be, being back, getting getting used to all the fast motion and the elements and all of that. Yeah. Do you feel, can you feel the difference from the last time you played as a freshman and now? I mean, I know you've done a couple of camps at Under Armour Camp in L.A. Uh, was the, I think you said uh, the first camp you had ever been to, but you've done quite a bit in the last few months. Are, are you already seeing the difference? Yeah, huge difference, huge difference. Um, I think it just comes down to like, just now I'm much more, I'll say now I can reason more and actually get a feel for how things are working. So my freshman year, I didn't, I don't think I really, I would, I was able to really take in like information as in fast reflexes and then maybe play calls or recognizing stuff, but reads and all of that. But now it's like, okay, I can tell, okay, maybe this guy is pulling out it could be a run to that direction, all of that. Like now I get to learn, have a lot of information and then try to react to it. How did the uh, break down the two sacks? How did the first one, was it a move? Did you just power them, break, us, break down the two sacks? How did they come about? I honestly don't remember any of them. <laughs> just got <laughs> to the quarterback? <laughs> yeah, it's just like trying, trying to get to the quarterback. But I think it's, it's I'll say like, I love my, I love my defense. And it's more like everyone is just when we're not on the line, we're not even thinking about who's like who's getting the sack. It's just like we're all going. If someone gets it, we all get it. So it was just for the team. Like someone is always going off at any point in the game. We, we, we've really held our own so far, and I love how it's going. And you are uh, obviously commit to Michigan. I know it came down to quite a few schools, but obviously Michigan was the one who was able to get your verbal commitment. Talk a little bit about what it was about Michigan that kind of made you feel like that was the right school for you. Um, I mean, I think the reason why I became close was there are a lot of things that like are important to me, values that I hold. One being education, 
the next being family and the third being location. So um, education is, sorry, a school asset, high education like that. Outside of football, I can use education to do something for myself. And then family is definitely, since I'm very far away from home, if I'm in a place where I can trust the people and I know that they know me beyond football, I know like just it just helps your mental state, knowing that you, there are a lot of people you can just rely on for just day-to-day life, life stuff. And then location is a place where I feel comfortable being outside of football because I realize that I'm far away from home. So it has to be a place where I'm at peace, I feel at home, that when the football it's not a football season, I'll still be fine living there. So that's what that's what made all this like that's what I think the breakdown from my final eight to like the six to four, and then that's what made like what that's how I ended up settling on Michigan. Because it was really close. But yeah. Hey Collins, to follow up on that, um, I know you obviously stated some reasons right there for your decision, but when you made your decision to commit to Michigan, one thing that kind of jumped out at me is how much of a recent history Michigan has producing defensive ends and edge players for the NFL. Obviously, Aiden Hutchinson in this past draft, David Ajabo, Quiddy Pay, Josh Uche, Chase Winovich, Rasan Gary, Taco Charlton, Chris Warmly. Just the list keeps going on and on. So was the fact that you're not only in a place where you're comfortable academically with the area, with the family feel of it. The fact that you picked a school that has a coaching staff that is really familiar taking in players like you and developing players like you, was that something that you were attracted to as well? Definitely. Definitely. I think just for us, maybe Africans or people with African backgrounds, family really matters or people who we feel care and it's something we pick up easily. So when we see good people, we tend to be around. And I think Coach Harbaugh has done a really good job of making us feel at home over there that we have a lot of trust in him. So it's it's much easier for us because we – for I'm just taking for myself, for example, I know I have a long way to go, and he has a lot of trust in me, and I have a lot of trust in him. Like I can pick up the phone and send him a text no matter what time of the day he's going to respond. So it's like that communication channel is always open for me to ask everyone on the staff like questions about things I can do to get better as an athlete and they have a plan for me. So the same way he has plans for that plans that go try to he tries to help all the athletes that are playing for him or when you're done playing for him, he still stays in touch. So I think that's that's really a huge piece as that that connection is more of a lifetime thing, not just oh I'm playing for the four years. It's more of the years that go beyond that, we know that we have someone we can always come, come back on count And with uh, Michigan and Coach Harbaugh, specifically with the players of your position, it really is not just talk because the proof is in the pudding that he's brought in players like you in the past. And he's not just talking about it. He can actually show you the examples of the progression from young athletes that came into his program and that you know have gone on to have great careers in Ann Arbor and then play on Sundays as well. Yes. Yeah. And so I know what I want to know is, all right, from – Ghana to Southern California to Michigan. Are you, uh, have you gone, have you gone winter coat shopping yet? Not yet. Not yet. I'm, I'm hoping to catch one of the cold games before the season ends. I see. Have you ever, have you ever, uh, have you ever, this may be a dumb question. You ever see, like seen snow? Not yet. No. Oh, all right. Maybe on a game day. Uh, there you go. Yeah. That's awesome. Good deal. Good deal. Did they make any comparisons? Wade, rattled off some names they make any compare they say hey when you came in like you remind us of so-and-so or we see you kind of taking a similar trajectory 
Um, I'll say not really because they see me as my own new person, something mm -hmm. they can they can develop or work with. So they, I mean, definitely have the size that you can compare, and then some abilities here and there. But I feel like they they have they see me as me or it's like completely different, something different. So it's like a new project that we we are going to work towards new goals we, we can achieve. So. I think that's been the best. That's also been the best part for me. It wasn't really a comparison. It was more like, okay, what do you bring to the table? Let's build on that. Well, uh, tremendous upside on the football field. But what is, uh, what do you want to? Any thoughts to what you want to study? I thought I read somewhere uh, like aerospace engineers. Yes, I've been thinking about aerospace engineering and also getting my pilot's license on the side. Oh wow! So, nice. So kind of like a Elon Musk, I can get after the quarterback. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Also, uh, also four language. You can speak four languages. Yes, sir. Which which languages can you speak? Um, it's English. Pigeon Pigeon is like a youth language in my country. It's like a backward English. And then there's Fancy and Tree. My my dad is an Asante, so we speak Tree. And then my mom is a Fancy, so four. Nice. I'm struggling to. Still working on English. Still trying to <laughs> wrap my head around. That's that's also pretty impressive. And now you have. You're not a pretty talented family. You, your sister, you have a sister going to school in France? I know that's my my brother, my close brother. He speaks seven languages. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Now when's uh your mom Rita, uh, she's still back home and gone. When's the last time you've had a chance to see her? Um the last time I saw my mother was I think July 18th when I left Ghana in 2019. So that was about 14 going on 15, so that was the last time I saw her. I haven't seen her ever since. Wow. Has she been able to, um, sure, even keeping her updated, but she able to kind of grasp like everything you've been able to accomplish and what it's like to commit to a, a major Big Ten school and everything? Not a chance. It's, <laughs> it's, it's really hard. I've really tried my best to explain and even send a couple of highlights and pictures and all of that. But I think she gets the idea of like, okay, I'm playing sports, but she hasn't even sat down to actually be able, being able to watch a full game. So hopefully, I mean, if things get better, hopefully in college, she, she'll be able to catch a game or two if, if God permits. Yeah. What type of travel experiences, is, like how long does it take to travel for, from Ghana to California? My trip here was like 36 hours wow. because of the layover, counting the layovers too, so. Wow. Uh, it's a long time traveling. And, and, you know, the reason why you came over to the States, though, was it was initially basketball. Uh, once you got here, you found football fell up. Do you miss basketball at all? Any kind of plans to play moving forward? Um, I mean, I think my, my decision just came down more like a business decision in terms of um, I came from Ghana with basically I thought I could play. But when I got here, I realized, OK, there's a long way to go. Because all I did, I never really had a team back there that I played it. It was just like going to the park with friends, that kind of thing. Never had it, any organized sports. So when I got here, it was really kind of a shock to me because it's like, oh, they're plays in basketball. Like, I had to learn all of that. And I had to start from scratch. So that's I started football from scratch. I started basketball from scratch when I got here. And I fell in love with football more. And then, I like, I love basketball as well. So being able to play both of them my freshman year really helped me just basically get a grasp of just sports overall. And so when COVID hit and I was playing basketball, be, Fremont being a good family situation for me, that because I didn't really know anybody else on, the, on this continent, it was like, okay, I'm going to stick through it. I just started trusting my coaches and then just focused on the basketball. And so when football came back, it was more of now, there are more six, seven, six, eight 
point guards now. But in, those are people who have been playing basketball from since they were young. My base of when I go to the gym, my own mother's like, oh, now I do my drills, like all the, the lower fundamentals. That's where I, I start from. But people start from up high. So it's more like, I feel like I can take football, playing football farther than I could have taken basketball, even though, I mean, who knows? It's all up to God. But I, from what, when I prayed, I felt like football was my chance, my thing, more than basketball. And so when the opportunity came for me to pursue football, I was like, yes, I'm going to take it because I feel like I can do much better and go much farther in football than I would have in basketball. What was your familiarity with football before you got to the States? None. None? <laughs> None. None. Zero. Like, no clue. I, I knew of the sport, but I couldn't tell. Like, I couldn't even tell the difference between rugby and football. I, I didn't even know. <laughs> what was it that What was it that kind of intrigued you and kind of enticed you to kind of a – that's a big jump from – from basketball without really having any prior knowledge of the sport? Uh, I think the first thing, like step, step by step, the first thing was just being out in the field with like more than 20 plus people. It was, I kind of liked it because it was like everyone coming from, people come from different backgrounds, sharing the field, same goal. And then the next one was, so I couldn't, since I, that was my first time ever touching the football, I couldn't catch my freshman year. So I had to play on the defensive side of the ball. So when they put me on the line and then the coach just told me, just get past him, get the quarterback. Let's see how you do it. <laughs> so it was like just the first one. It was the first one-on-one -on -one drill. I did it. I beat my guy. And I saw the fear in the quarterback's eyes. He was like, yeah. Okay, so then that's when it just snapped. Yeah, I love doing this. And that was about, that was where it began. Hey, the more things change, the more they say the same. Just beat the guy in front of you and get to the quarterback, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I'm fascinated too. And a little bit I've gotten to know you over the last couple of months. I never – how does this journey even start? Because you, you made it sound like you really kind of just more play pickup basketball back home. I mean, how do you get discovered and kind of get an opportunity to come over from Ghana to, to, to the States and over to kind of start this new chapter? How does that even be, become a reality? Um, it's I think it's more of just growing up. Um, the age gap between me and my siblings is, is massive. And so just see life through their shoes and my mother's shoes. My dad died on my second birthday, like exactly on that birthday morning. And so it's going to be my mother, my mother who's been raised, but that she's been working 70 plus hours to just put us like in the best situation possible. Like I went to a private school from kindergarten to junior high. So she tried her best, but it was hard for me to watch because I was the last person. So I felt like she was working for me. She worked Monday through Sunday, 70 plus hours. She was barely about home. And she wasn't doing it because she loved the job, I say. She was just, she sells, so she sells medicine like a small pharmacy. And so it's like, she's just gone all day. And so I wanted to find a way out. Like all my siblings now have their masters, but then it's like, just be, seeing it through the eyes, just because you have a master doesn't mean you have a, the best paying job. So I wanted a way out to find a way out. And I realized that my content, like my country still wasn't where I wanted to be. Like I didn't, I wanted to be a pilot. There was no flight school. And even, and even if there was a flight school, it was too expensive. So I couldn't get it done. Like my family couldn't pay for it. So the, the, the older I got and the more I understood the life around me was like, okay, I have to get out. But I didn't know, I didn't know any way out. So um, junior high was when I, I met a couple of friends. Now I started going out to the park, hanging out with them, playing soccer, basketball, kind of just by ourselves, just hanging out. And so that's when I was like, I started learning of okay, other people who played sports, like who left Ghana to go play sports overseas. And so it was like, okay, that could, I thought to myself, that could be my way out. And so I just picked up the phone, I think 
Yeah, I forget the phone on, on Instagram. I started just, I just typed in like high school or like something related to basketball, like ballers life or any high school that popped up. I was just sending a message like, hey, my name is this. I, I'm this old, I'm this tall. I just send them all the messages and I send them like a couple of just clips of me down because I didn't really have anything else to do. I, all I could do was just down. And so most people didn't respond. And I think I still have messages of people who haven't responded until Fairmont, Fairmont was the only school that responded. Since it was an international school, I think they had all the systems in place. And so when I, they, they had an I-20 and then through that, I got my passport and uh, I, that's how I got to America. And I think that really helped because it was like, my freshman year, though, it was like 85 to 90 percent international students. Wow. Well, that's that's impressive. I I thought maybe somebody had gone over, seen you, and brought you over. That was all self motivated to to uh, start that, and I think it explains a lot about the work ethic that we see now and why you're making such big strides. Uh, it takes a lot of courage and uh, to kind of go ahead and start. Like you say, it only kind of takes one to give it the opportunity. And uh, now here you are, and uh, really excited to see what happens. For you this fall and, and the bright future ahead uh, now at Santa Margarita uh, what's what's the game this week um, this game this, the game this week was canceled so it's a bye week for us now oh. uh, yeah we just got a late word that the game got canceled so we, we have a bye week for this week you right you you gotta be thinking I missed enough time already <laughs> yeah. yeah like we're, we're all high like it's like every game we, we all get high we're already prepared because we've been working we've been good in the work the whole like the whole summer and then now we get a game canceled it's like wow really well last thing you know we'll let you go appreciate the time but uh the Michigan class uh heavy on the D line quite a few D linemen in that class what's What's it been like kind of building? Have you been had a chance to kind of build some relationships with some of the other guys in the class? Yes, definitely. I think um, every the, the best part is everyone who is on who committed now actually wanted to go to the school, like put in the football aside. They, they wanted to go get that great education, that family experience. That's why they chose it. And so adding the football to it means that we have people who actually want to be there have high IQ, they know what they know what they want. And so it's, it becomes easier that like we all have the same goal, same direction. So meeting them in person, it was easier to just gel. It's like we've known each other for like the longest time. So that really felt good. So it, it was easier even bonding with them as well as the players on the on the team already. That was like it was the best experience. Well, amazing story. I've uh, enjoyed kind of watching you just to this point and Excited to see what the future holds. Obviously, you got your senior season. We'll see them down in Orlando at the Under Armour All-America game and at the start of January. Looking forward to that as well. And then early enrollee at Michigan. Is that the plan? Uh, yeah, that's the plan right now. I'm working towards it. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, this doesn't seem like a man who waits around. I'm not surprised. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I'm sure making mom proud uh, back home in Ghana. Last thing, uh, a fan, uh, message for the Michigan fans? Um, Yeah. I think this class will really surprise a lot of people. And so we'll just like, just, this just wait. It's going to get crazier. Oh. Any Michigan fan I talk to, I say this is a name to know. Uh, we'll see what, like I said, I'm excited because we talked about a little early to show you got to have work ethic. You got to really want it. It's not enough to be talented. You got to, you got to love the game. Uh, you got to want to compete. And Collins has certainly showed that. I really appreciate the time, buddy. Uh, best of luck with the rest of the season. Thank you for having me. Football season is finally here. We have a huge slate of games, week one in college football. NFL's just around the corner. High school football, of course, as we know. 
has started in some parts of the country and will be starting uh, here this week and in coming weeks. So everybody's excited about action on the field. For us inside the recruiting industry, it's also exciting because it means once football starts getting played on the field, the commitments slow down a little bit. The nonstop onslaught. You get a few weeks breather. Oh, a couple weeks. The nonstop onslaught of commitments from the late spring and the early summer has come to an end. So you you better let your uh, carpal tunnel heal up now. Yeah, yeah, I got to ice up. Uh, Just to give fans some perspective, about 80 to 85% of the slots that will be occupied by high school signees for this upcoming class are already spoken for by verbal commitment. So a lot of the work is already done on this class. But we do still have impactful commitments coming through, and we'll hit on a couple here. Uh, The first one, Makari Vickers. Last Friday, defensive back out of Florida, committing to Oklahoma. He's a guy who checks a ton of boxes. Good height, good bulk, good play speed that's backed up by track speed, running 100 meters in the sub-11 for the last two years. Good performance at the camps and the combines. And then, of course, most importantly, on film, he's a productive, versatile guy who contributes as a defensive back, a receiver, and a returner. And even though we don't have an updated class ranking scheduled right now for ESPN, uh, Craig, Oklahoma's a class, I think, that not only could rise, but that in talking to you over the last couple months, you've liked not only the, the recruits they brought in, but the approach they've taken to this class, kind of the whole cycle. Yeah, I mean, they actually had the two pickups. They had Vickers, and they picked up a high three-star receiver as yep. well. So uh, next, uh, they're very much in a position to move from five to four in the next uh, recruiting rankings class uh, class rankings update. Uh, and that whole scene from Ohio State to Oklahoma to LSU to Georgia, that is really not much separates those, those teams. So it's still pretty volatile. And uh, the Sooners kind of really making a push to kind of move up further within the top five. But you're right. Listen, we just talked at length a little bit earlier about Malachi Nelson, who at one point, remember, was headed to Oklahoma. Then with the change from Lincoln Riley, of course, Oklahoma yeah. to USC, he followed. And I think the Sooners had pretty much the rebound of the year. I mean, Nelson's a phenomenal talent, number one player. I think you'd, you'd love to have him. But of course. <laughs> to say, okay, we just lost this incredibly talented quarterback. Uh, we'll replace him with a guy who's really talented as well in Jackson Arnold. Jackson Arnold was uh, uh, had a, did a really nice performance. Both of those players are at Future 50. Uh, he's already uh, off to a really hot start this fall. Uh, so I think being able to kind of rebound and have that be the quarterback and kind of the anchor of this class, doing a really nice job along the defensive line too, right? We talked about it as as they get ready to move here in a couple of seasons to the SEC, you better be able to play in the trenches. They went into Florida. Uh, uh, they went into Florida and got Derek LeBlanc. They went into Missouri and get PJ Adaware, who upside is off the charts. You want to talk about length? Uh, so he's he's really exciting pickup. Uh, they've got uh, Colton Vasek out of uh, Texas, so doing a really nice job in adding receivers. Uh, and then listen, along the offensive line, we just talked about it. You want to be successful, you better have a good offensive lineman. Caden Green, number one ranked guard, could play tackle. I think his fit in college where he'll shine will be a guard, but a really nice job there by Oklahoma. And I like the um, the simplicity of their solution for the quarterback slot in this class. You had a lot of people kind of playing around um, Arch's decision in his timeline. And some schools like Oregon waited it out and you know were able to reel in five-star talent like Dante Moore. Ohio State said, forget it with this class. We're going to go get the best guy in the next class, Dylan Rayola, who, when all things are said and done, could be as good as any of these players. Some other schools were kind of looking at secondary options as the calendar moved along. 
Oklahoma just jumped right out in front and said, let's just grab a great player from our you know, natural recruiting footprint. And yeah. it's worked out really well for him. So that was the first one we wanted to hit on. Also, Monday, edge player Desmond Yumiazulu. You said 80, that really fast, Mark. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, okay. I, th- I think we're good there. 80-inch uh, wingspan. Kid who looks great on the hoof, and I know you're real familiar with. Yeah, I mean, he's a player that came to our Baltimore camp, the Under Armour Baltimore camp, and performed, worked out. It was impressive because uh, that camp was, even though it was late in spring, it was cold. It snowed at one point. Uh, so I'm always, I'm always impressed when guys who have, who have offers are still willing to come out and compete and work. Performed really well at that camp. He's got great frame, upside, and he's adding. Listen, I think what Shane Beamer is doing there in South Carolina, you know, listen, they gotta, it's got to translate to the field. But I think since he's taken over that program, he didn't panic. We talked a little bit last week about a new coach getting in there. Very difficult with the early signing period. He kind of really put at a disadvantage. He didn't panic, just bringing in players. Uh, Worked the transfer portal some this year. Did a really nice class, kind of had the comeback class of the 2022 cycle. And now, you know, pushing into the top 15 for 2023. And again, winning in the trenches. Several defensive linemen, Desmond, Xavier McLeod, uh, Zavon Hardy, uh, they, uh, uh, Rames, they've got quite a few guys in this class. So building from the inside out, so really doing a nice job. And then another big man commit of note, uh, Monroe Freeling, number 94 in the ESPN 300, committing to Georgia. He's a guy who has all the measurables you're looking for, 6'7", height, 84-inch wingspan, 11-inch hands, and uh, just another you know big boy with developmental upside coming into Kirby Smart's program. Yeah, Georgia – you know, always in competition for a top three class, sitting a little outside the top five now, but kind of, uh, again, making a move to get back in the five with Freeling. And you mentioned it. The thing that jumps out about, I don't know if he's a plug-and-play guy, but his frame, I mean, he is tall. Like He's going to get in that weight program. He's going to get bigger, good flexibility. Uh, he is a guy who, even if, even if he doesn't immediately contribute, could be an outstanding kind of all-conference type tackle uh, by the time his career is done, that's a, that's a really good pickup. They now got two top ten tackles in that class, uh, along with Bo Uli in state. Uh, so once again, Georgia doing a really nice job, and and that's a tremendous pickup, especially based off its upside. All right, we got a little bit of a taste this previous weekend of the start of college football, but really things get underway on Labor Day weekend. Monster slate of games throughout the country, especially amongst ESPN networks, really excited. I mean, it's going to be one of those days, Wade, where it's going to be kind of hard to move from the couch. I call it a waste-expanding uh, schedule because <laughs> all you do is load up on snacks and you don't move from the couch. So uh, and uh, I really, really, really need Delta to come through. They usually do, but I, I, need, I need live TV on those planes. Every once in a while, you get one of those planes that doesn't have a TV. Be coming back from the De La Salle game on Saturday, so... They've been good. I believe in you, Delta. Uh, I need access to those TVs for some of those uh, afternoon games as I make my way from west back east. But uh, I think, you know, like I said, we got a little bit of a taste of some games this previous weekend. And we're actually we're going to go deep into the bench here uh, and go to producer Danny. He uh, who's always at the camps capturing video and at the Under Armour. And he wanted to shout out a guy that we had saw last year at the Under Armour game, uh, wasting no time making waves. Yeah, running back George Petaway. Uh, he had a nice 29-yard touchdown run for Carolina in their game against Florida A&M. Two nice cutbacks on the run, and 
Craig, I'm sure you'd agree, definitely uh, during those practice sessions and even during the game last year, he looked like a pretty smooth runner, and he definitely showed that in the game. Uh, you guys had him at number 105 in the ESPN 300 last year out of Virginia, so it looks like he's definitely in line to play at least a little bit for them. I know it's always tough to tell in that first week of games, but uh, nice to see him make an impact. He had four carries for 51 yards, and he was highlighted by the 29-yard touchdown run, which we did post on the uh, UC Report Twitter and Instagram. So if you haven't seen that, you could check it out there. And the word competitor comes to mind. He was a guy who kept showing up at camps. Anywhere in the Atlantic region, there was George, you know, willing to compete, really wanted to get on the, in the Under Armour game. And, uh, again, it's not surprising to see a guy like that who at its core just loves to play and compete, be able to get on campus, make an impression, and get on the field. Right, Still a lot of football ahead, but a great start for him. And then uh, – uh, we've now we kind of move forward to this weekend with some names to keep an eye on. Uh, Wade, we'll go ahead and start with you as uh, all the all the evaluations the ESPN 300 is done to try to make the best projection for how these players can do in college. So now for the 2022 class, we get our first look uh, on how some of these players that we felt were going to be impact players will they be impact players, and for some of them, could it be sooner than later? Yeah, and I have the luxury of uh, looking at a couple skill guys here who were five-star prospects in the ESPN 300 and toward the top of the list. But that's the way it's supposed to be, right? If you give a prospect a five-star rating, that means he should come in and have an impact on a Power 5 roster or start as a true freshman. And if things go according to plan, in three years we're watching him blow up the NFL Combine and getting ready for the next level. So the first guy, Luther Burden, wide receiver, Missouri, number one wide receiver in the class, number five overall in the 300. He uh, had a scintillating 65-yard touchdown to kick off last year's Under Armour game, and Missouri and Missouri fans obviously hoping that he can make a big immediate impact for them. Another wide receiver, Evan Stewart, Texas A&M, five-star, number two receiver, number 13 overall in the 300. He's a guy with absolutely blazing speed, a 10.58 personal best in the 100. He's run laser to laser, 4-4 range at our camps over the years. So look for him, again, if all things go according to plan, in three years to be one of those guys in contention for the fastest 40 time at the Combine. Um, and then I don't really know much about this, but he has 2.1 million TikTok followers. So He's creeping thing, up on you. Uh, creeping up on me. Yeah. Oh, my social media is like a town with one stop sign. There's <laughs> nice people there, but not a lot going on. Uh, is it our Dairy Queen? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. so I listen, I, Burden is one of these players. I'd be shocked if he doesn't have some type of an impact. We'll see how Missouri does. Uh, the Tigers signed really a class that if they're going to turn this program around, this 2022 group is going to be the one that lays the foundation. But everything that we saw of Burden coming out of high school would lead you to think that he could be an impact player in college and quickly because at the Future 50, he was an MVP. So Future 50 event uh, in 2021, he was a guy who we had 50 of the best players there, all Under Armour All-Americans, and he stood out, won MVP. Then you mentioned we get to the Under Armour game, and he does the same thing. So every time he was around elite talent, he managed to find his way towards the top of the pack. So he always seems to rise to the occasion. You add that with the physical tools that he has. And I, I would literally be floored if he does not make an impact for, you know, listen, you can only do so much as a receiver. 
Missouri's got to, you know, still got work to do, but I'd be surprised if he doesn't put up some numbers and be a key part of that offense uh, right out of the gate. Uh, for me, listen, uh, going to go ahead and play in stereotypes and go right to the trenches. And, you know, sometimes those, listen, uh, if you're going to be a successful O-lineman, uh, you can get lost in the shuffle pretty quickly. So when those guys get a chance to get some love, you got to give it to them. And one of those, and I'm, this is not surprising at all. Even I think if you go back to Under Armour practice coverage, we talked about this being a guy who could be an immediate impact. And so far, uh, that seems to be the case. And that's Will Campbell uh, headed to LSU. Five-star offensive tackle. Wade. We always loved him throughout the process. Any doubt that maybe we had, if there was any, was was just squashed during the entire week of the Under Armour All-American game this past December uh, because he, he, was a, he was a starter. Uh, talking to the offensive line coach for the team he was on, he says he was one of these guys who was always dialed in, asked great questions, was able to take what was given to him and quickly apply it. Uh, you go to LSU, you know, listen, in-state guy, he was a really big pickup for them. I, I really am not surprised that he has been able to get on campus, turn heads, and will probably be a factor, a big factor along that offensive line this year for them. As we mentioned, five-star prospects are guys who we expect to come in and contribute right away. But, Craig, I think offensive line, because of how in sync the unit needs to work as a whole, maybe quarterback's the toughest to come in and contribute right away, but offensive line is probably right there. So extra impressive that Campbell has been able to step in and solidify his role right off the bat at LSU. He's not the only offensive lineman kind of turning some heads. Listen, obviously the storyline for Texas is Arch Manning this current cycle, but did a really nice job with that class for the 2022 cycle, and it was led by offensive linemen, which I'm sure Arch was excited about when he decided to commit. He saw the class that they just brought in. Uh, Devon Campbell, top-rated offensive guard. He'll be somebody to watch. But Kelvin Banks, top-five offensive tackle in the ESPN 300 out of the Houston area. He's already a guy kind of creating a lot of waves. Somebody step on the field. Obviously, Texas had an O-line injury during camp. But listen, they did a great job of bringing in young talent. And Banks is a guy who's already working his way uh, into the mix. One of those nice frames of development, good bend, good feet. So, you know, listen, Texas really kind of concentrated, brought in an outstanding offensive line group and already starting to see some dividends paid with that unit. Yeah, and the, the uh, unit as a whole is a young group. So Quinn Ewers taking over the starting reins this year, and then, of course, Arch Manning coming in in the 2023 class. It looks like a good marriage of the time horizon of a young developing offensive line with nice quarterback uh, prospects to uh, hopefully be protected by that group in coming seasons. And then the last one for me to kind of heading into this first full weekend is, is Alabama, preseason number one always in the race for the number one class. Uh, they signed a massive individual out of Mississippi and Jaheim Otis. Jaheim is so big at the Under Armour All-American game this past year. He missed like the first day, two days of practice because they could not find a helmet to fit him. <laughs> they literally were just wandering around without a helmet because they didn't have, I think, like they had to get a new mold or something like that or go to NASA. I don't know what happened. We finally got him a helmet. Uh, he, But he... He's already working his way into the two deep. He's just a he's a space eater with impressive quickness for his size. Moves really well. Uh, he's already kind of worked his way up on a depth chart. Dropped a bunch of weight. I know at Future Fifty last year, twenty twenty one, he weighed in at three eighty eight. Uh, he's now on the two deep for Alabama at three seventy. I think he had ballooned up 
over the fall even higher. Uh, reports are that he drops about 70 pounds to where he is now, but uh, he keeps that weight off. He is special because he had, he's a, you know, I think he'll be a fan favorite for Alabama because between his play and he's just a character. He's a fun guy to be around. Uh, he's one of these guys. He, he reminds me as a player of like those flex fuel cars. You ever be in one of those cars with flex fuel where you go, you stop at a red light and it powers down, you know, and then you put your foot on the gas and it goes. Yeah. Like that's how he is. In between plays, like everything is slow. To, he kind of eases into his stance, and then once the ball is snapped, boom, he's like just wreaking havoc, and then it plays over, and everything slows down. <laughs> he, he is. He's like a, he's like a Ford F-150 flex fuel type, uh, type of a nose tackle. Uh, you know, over the years, obviously, Alabama's played so many huge games, and watching games with friends who are college football fans but not necessarily as deep in the world of recruiting as we are, they always have the same reaction. Some freshman or sophomore who hasn't played – pops and a lot of times they're gigantic interior defensive players it's always who is this guy otis is probably that guy for alabama this year that the non-recruiting fan some gigantic defensive tackle who they've never seen before is going to make a play in the backfield and they're going to throw their hands up who's, who's this guy yeah. another guy for them yeah and then they're going to be equally like what's going on he's a slim down 370 <laughs> that's on the slim end so we're excited uh really looking forward to see him in action like i said i think he'll be kind of a fan favorite he'll be here in the middle kind of clogging things up, but he's such great body quickness for his size. He'll, he'll be uh, creating some havoc as well. So those are, we're excited to see what unfolds this fall, what freshmen develop every week. We'll have our freshman of the week uh, uh, moving forward. Those heading into the season are some to watch. Um, so let's get this, this, let's get this party started with a great weekend of college football and, and certainly uh, we'll see what freshmen emerge early out of the gate like our guy George at UNC. All right, once again, the talking is done. Time for uh, high school football. Again, Friday night, ESPNU, 10 Eastern, 7th Pacific. De La Salle host uh, Sarah uh, San Mateo. Great Northern California battle between two programs, a lot of history. Uh, join us uh, if you can, and then listen, Saturday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, all through the throughout the weekend, uh, holiday weekend, Tons of college football. Like excited to see who emerges, who has great weekends, and uh, we'll continue to follow up on that next week. Any final thoughts, Wade? Yeah, for the fans out there who uh, like to poke holes at recruiting rankings or rankings in general, I know we highlighted some five stars as freshmen to watch. Don't worry, we will have our eyes open for all those three stars on your favorite program that we were wrong about yes, this year. Just, just like on draft night when that one two-star guy gets drafted. Or, oh, nobody knows anything. I was like, yeah, one, one guy in the first round pick. But uh, all right, we're excited. Thanks for joining us. Thank you to Collins for joining us. It's a fascinating story. If you uh, really looking forward to uh, what he does this fall and a bright future ahead. Uh, again, if you missed episode one, Go back and check it out on Apple, Spotify. Thanks for joining us week two. Any thoughts, comments, games you want us to watch, hit us up at the, at the UC Report or at Craig Hobart. Uh, and we're also going to start maybe uh, a mailbag. Uh, so start getting your questions as well. Thanks for joining us. Have a great week. Enjoy the games, and we will talk to you next week. Thanks, guys.